Utah Women Success China is powered by the Seneca Network. We are a bi-weekly podcast focused on capturing the lives of women in and from Greater China at the top of their professional game. I'm your host, Juliana Batista. Many thanks to the entire team at SUP China, including co-producer Kaiser Kuo, Jason McRonald for editing, and Jamie Lue for marketing. If you're a loyal listener or just happened upon us, we'd love it if you could show your support by hitting subscribe. We want to share with you some of the killer episodes that we have lined up for the rest of 2019. This week, we're joined by Wan Tingjian, co-founder of Jeans a Kitchen. You'll hear in our conversation how intensely dedicated and mission-driven she is to her work, and the methodical process to achieve that mission. We drill into how Wanting and her other co-founders got the startup from a food concept to realization, discuss whether food can be a form of soft power, and learn more behind the after-hours and chef's table concepts. Here it is. Hi everyone! Welcome to Ta for Ta. We are really excited to have Wan Tingjiang on the show today. Hi everyone! Thank you so much for having me today at the Ta for Ta. And so, can you actually just start by giving listeners a highlights reel of your career and perhaps also the origin story of Jun's Kitchen? So, my name is Wan Tingjiang. I am a co-founder. And、um, head of business operations at Junzi Kitchen. I was born and grew up in Beijing, China. I went to Peking University for a bachelor degree of law at the Yuanpei College.、Um, that one is actually the first liberal arts education pilot program in China. And then after graduate, I went to Boston University for Master of Laws, and then I went to Yale University. Um, School of Forestry and Environmental Studies for Environmental Science and focusing on environmental policy and law.、Um, after graduate, I started、um, small business、um, of frozen yogurt, and then、um, started、uh, Junzi Kitchen together with my colleagues. So, what were those initial conversations like when you were first trying to figure that out? Right. Yeah, you were asking about the origin、um, of Jun's. I think for myself,、um, starting Jun's is two parts. One is personal, and another part is cultural. So for、uh, my family, I was raised by my grandma.、Um, she's someone that really doesn't say "I love you," but She shows that through food.、Um, so she maybe this is a Chinese thing, you know, like, um, but um, she cooked for me、um, three meals a day, every day, and I I know it is very difficult, but only until I become a mom myself, then I realize how difficult that is. She cooked me for three、um, three meals a day, fresh. That's such、know. a luxury. Yeah, is is really fantastic. So she always try to good cook like a good nutritious balanced meal. Always has you know meat, vegetables, and carbs and everything. So the way I grew up is always you know food is like the dinner table is the center of the family.、Um, is the time that you get together and then share how your days are.、Um, share you know the love. 
with each other without really saying the words. Um, so it's also the way of eating is, you know, you focus on the balanced meal. Um, you want to eat healthier, um, but still having very delicious meals. So um, after I graduate from college, I went to um, American for school. Um, the food I find is very different than what I grew up eating um, from my grandma's kitchen. So I went to, you know, the China Kings, the Ming Gardens, you know, some palaces. They're all, uh, the names are very similar. And also I got to encounter the orange chicken, the General Zhao's chicken, beef and broccoli. It is delicious, but it's very different than what I have been eating. Um, growing up. So, and I, I share this with my friends and, and start to getting the feedback of everybody is feeling very similar to, to my personal experience. That's the way and the food that we grow up eating is not easily to be found, especially at a day-to-day -day format in the U.S., um, so I started to think about, is there something that we can do? And on the other side, I have been very interested in the U.S.-China communication and um, exchange policies. Um, as a policy-focused students, we've done lots of research um, and also co-founded U.S.-China Forum at Yale. But then I started to think about what is the best format, really start a conversation. And I remember my grandma's dinner table, that um, food and, and eating together is actually a really good way to introduce people together and start to um, discuss interesting things. Um, so then we started thinking food is actually more than just food. Um, it could be a bridge to start a conversation and start listening. And that's a first step to further the understanding between the two parties, no matter it's two persons or maybe two countries. I want to understand how your early career experiences helped launch June's Kitchen. I mean, what did those first experiences, how did that help you build this vision who helped you build this vision? Yeah, so I think I'm extremely lucky to work with the talented people and really passionate people about same thing as I do in the journey of Jianzi. So um, three of us, Yong, Ming, and I, were graduate students at Yale. Um, and then uh, Lucas, who's our chef, joined later. He's a college student at Yale as well. So we started from the Yale Entrepreneurial Institute. Now it's called Thai Center for Innovative Thinking. So we went through the whole process and were able to get admitted to the summer fellowship as an incubator for startups at Yale. Um, so Yong is our CEO. He... At that time, he was still a PhD student of environmental science. And he basically suspended his study and joined full-time later on. Uh, Ming is a graphic designer uh, major at School of Art. And she graduated from the Central Academy of Art in China, which is the best art school. Lucas was a cognitive science student, but he wanted to become a chef since very um, little. And you know, the 
And then he grew up in Hong Kong. You know, the Asian parents, you won't be like, why don't you focus on study first and don't worry about anything else, right? Um, so he studies really hard. He won, you know, numerous awards and everything. But after he got admitted to Yale, he's still really just knowing, you know, cooking and um, the culinary art is his passion. So he started a Y pop-up at Yale that's focusing on cooking and that's, I think is the first students-led food-related student organization at Yale. And then later on, he joined, he was taught by Yale dining director and representing Yale for um, Iron Chef competition at Mount Universities and won um, gold medals three years in a row. And uh, we also got connected with our architect designer, Xu Hui Zhang, who was working in IM Pei's firm, and then uh, now we started from like only single digit people in the team. Now we have a team about 20. Um, that's, I think we have a nine year graduates. And then um, two Columbia universities, one, one Cornell alumni is really a blessing that I got to know um, everyone and each of them and be able to work this journey together. Yeah, and you mentioned that you all had more academic experience, which I think is really unique. You all were book smart, and you decided to go and off and do this venture. You mentioned earlier, actually, that there are some frameworks that you developed as a student in the law space that ended up being handy later on. What were they? Yeah, so I think the earlier members are, um, like myself, has less work experience for me, I think I went through a little transition from um, being, you know, trained as an attorney to become a business person. I think for a lot of times we, we talked about the major that you choose in college or in graduate school, how much impact that goes towards your later career path. I think I may be an example of um, you really learning how to think, how to ask him questions. For me, um, Yuanpei College, or back then the Yuanpei pilot program, really plays a huge difference for me because, one, that's the first um, liberal arts education program in China where you can uh, choose your major after you got admitted to college. Um, normally, you have to choose your major in advance, and it's very difficult to change. So for me, I got in and I was able to, um, you know, taking classes in economics, um, law, political science, you really can explore everything. I find my interest in law and economics. And another part is we were really lucky to get the top scholars from China on every major aspect um, to be our advisors. And I remember very vividly in the whole program, the most important thing is to encourage you to find who you are, what is your passion, and who you want to be. And learning how to ask the right questions is more important than um, finding the answers or getting a good scores in um, test. So I think that early stage experience really impacted me to finding my true passion. Um, so I find I'm really lucky to be able to go through that program. 
and then gets the training of really help to understand how to ask questions, how to find your passions. Um, specifically, I think to be very proactive to chase what you um, what do you want to do, because for us, you are the among the first classes to be able to do this. Um, there's no mechanism at the school back then to push all the information or the resources to you. You really have to approach um, other you know, departments or professors to say, can I do this? And this has tremendous influence over um, to be an entrepreneur later on because as an entrepreneur, there's no set path. You really have to find your way and find all the resources that you can find and to get things done. Yeah, and it seems like you were forging your own path from the very start. Yeah, I think it's interesting if you look at now. Um, in our program, we have a high, we have the highest rate getting entrepreneurs in our department in other schools. Very interesting. You know, what else influenced you? Um, I want to share that at the Yale Entrepreneur Institute, we got recommended a book called Lean Startup. Um, and I highly recommend that book to anyone who wants to go to the startup path. Um, it has a framework of basically it's hypothesis, test, and pivot. So what it says is you really want, because, because as a startup, what you're trying to do a lot of time is new, and you, you can't find answers. So you know the actions that you're going to get is basically a set of hypotheses. You don't know if that will be true, but you can write it down very clearly and you can design experiments. Not like in the lab uh, accuracy, but you can still design some tests to test if your hypothesis is true. And then you really um, pivot as fast as you can. So for us, um, at the early stage of Junzi, um, we develop our product using that framework. So at the beginning, we really want to ask ourselves is if the um, format of reps that's trending, if this format will be acceptable to our customers as a day-to-day -day food, are they able to understand it once seeing it? Will they like it once tasted? Is this something that they can enjoy every day? So we really start just by doing a very simple wrap with only one meat, that's beef, and then one vegetables, that's stir-fried potatoes. And then we invited our target customers who are, you know, the school students, staff, and faculty members. And we present this simple format to them to see, could you try this and, you know, answer some service. We um, take those feedback and we pivot. And then later on, we know this is actually a very um, popular and understandable format and the tastes are acceptable, then we build our further variations of proteins in sauces and vegetable toppings um, from all these surveys. We ends up probably did about like a thousand taste tests um, before we opened the first locations. That is so methodical and gives me so much insight into how you run your business. Thank you. Yeah, we're still trying to do that. Um, there's a thing we say is always day one. We want to remind ourselves that's 
um, always remember where you come from and how you do things. Um, and then to answer your question about um, the 3 a.m., um, I think one thing as a startup person, um, it's really important to, to know that you have to do whatever it takes to achieve the goal. At the beginning, when we first opened our New Haven location in 2015, um, actually our four-year anniversary is coming up on October 21st. So it's really exciting time to you know, reflect on our journeys. Um, so at the beginning, there's so much uncertain things and questions need to be answered. And um, when you open, no matter how much scenarios that you run, there's always a lot of things are surprises that you just have to deal with them. Um, so all of us is at the store working day in and day out at every position. For example, um, our CEO is the bean presser. Our director, she is our dishwasher, our mining director is cashier, and I works on the lines and cooking noodles. There's times as you really don't know, you know, it's a, it's a good problem to have that people like the food. So we ran out of noodles that you have to cook them. And it's already like 11, everybody is very, very tired. Um, as the business owner, as the leader, it is the time that you really step out and we need to do that. Um, and, and, and we all do in different perspectives and different times. So on that day, I stayed to cook noodles. You know, it's actually a normal thing. I take that as a reflecting time. I put on audiobook, you know, um, and I, you know, it's the whole store. It's just your, my, myself. I remember I probably have like two cases or three cases of noodles that needs to cook. And things are all going very well, very smooth. And it's about 3 a.m. in the morning. I have about like four bags of noodles left. But suddenly the fire alarm rang. And it's a false alarm, so I was able to, you know, um, get it in control and everything. But because it's a fire alarm, so, you know, the whole building is awake. And uh, we have um, a visit from the policemen and then the firefighters. And then we go through the whole process. And I remember vividly um, the firefighter came in. Um, he's a gentleman, a very big gentleman, and he was joking, asking me, like, I know you must be the business owner. And I was like, yes. And he's like, only the business owner will be, you know, cooking by yourself at like 3, 4 a.m. in the morning. But in a way, I'm not like the business owner. I'm just one of the, you know, early team members at a startup. And that's how, you know, everybody would do at that circumstances. Um, so luckily nothing goes wrong. It's really just a false alarm. We don't know what happened, but we were able to get everything settled. Um, and then I think it was an hour later, everything goes quiet. And I was able to finish my four bags of noodles and then able to go home. And then the next day, um, I need to come back at 8 a.m. to start the day um, for operations. That's not a lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but everybody is doing that. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. So, you know, you started getting things off the ground, but what kept you going? Can you explain the food scene in Manhattan and why do you think there was an opportunity space for what you're doing with Junzi Kitchen? So I think um, Junzi for us is more than just a restaurant. So in our mind, food is something that can bring people together and can really promote the sharing and conversation of people and culture. We name ourselves Junzi um, for two things. One is there's an old saying of Junzi said, it means people can get together and achieve um, a, a goal despite of each other's differences. A Junzi can listen and understand and respect each other's differences. Um, so I think that's a very important concept. Um, although it's a 2,000 years old concept is before China even be, it is an empire. It's like the tribal times. But if you look at that today, it is still very applicable. Um, that's if we could really see each other not as labels, not as stereotypes, not if you see a girl, then she must be pink. If you see an Asian person, then, you know, she must be good at math, for example. You bring more diversity of culture and things will be more interesting and we can collectively achieve a better world. So that's what one part of what we think is the food can be. Um, another part we name ourselves Jianzi is um, we see in an oversimplified way, Jianzi is a lifetime pursuit to become a person with integrity, balanced life, and a community leader. Um, we see that as an undergoing um, principle of how we want to do business. Um, we haven't really advertised that too much yet, but we believe that something is a pursuit that we want to do. So I think whoever joined Junzi at the startup team, we all share that vision of seeing food as a bridge, um, to bridge culture, to bridge people, to bridge community together. And that is way more and bigger than ourselves. So that's why we could really get a great team together and, and doing this. Um, and on the other side, we see now, to code our chef Lucas' words, this is probably the best time and best place that you cook Chinese food um, in Manhattan. Um, one thing is in US, there's actually a lot of Chinese restaurants. In 2018 on Yelp, there are 44,000 Chinese restaurant listed on Yelp. So it's huge. And to compare, um, McDonald's has 13,000 locations in the U.S. So Chinese restaurants are actually triple the amount. And you really feel a lot. And it's interesting that um, almost um, a lot of Chinese restaurants are looks very similar and they serve very similar menus. 
Manhattan in a different ways. Actually, in Manhattan,、um, you have a very diverse scene of Chinese restaurants.、Um, you can almost find every region's representation. Um, in Manhattan, and you can also find sit down like finer di- fine dining level, sit down、uh, fast casual or like a fast food level. And we also seen that the whole industry has turned their attention to Asian cuisines and、um, Asian chefs. So this year in 2019, we won the New York Star Chef Rising Star. So Lucas won the Concept Chef. Um, but we are very excited not only because ourselves won that、uh, award, but also because、um, you see a good representation of Asian chefs are on that list. So there was twenty four chefs getting the award. That's across the broad. There you have like bakery chef from Eleven、um, Medicine Park.、Um, you have chefs from like. Fast casual like ours. We also have chefs from like sit down or fine dining restaurants, and among those twenty four, there's six of them are either having an Asian background or the restaurant is Asian、uh, cuisine. So you really see the diversity is coming up.、Um, so we're super excited about it.、Um, similarly, the Eaters Yangang 2019,、um, we also won that, and it shows a similar trend of that. So we just feel really excited to bring、um, the food that we love,、um, the five thousand years old culinary history, to our day to day life, and be able to evolve together with both the Chinese culinary arts and our American、um, food scene together. And the food is really good. I've、uh, had Jun's Kitchen on a few different occasions and really loved it, but. Building off this, can you give us more of an explanation of the Chinese American restaurant? At least insofar as the mainstream narrative is basically saying that you are redefining Chinese American restaurants. How do you see it? So the current Chinese food in American scene is very uniquely defined by the past immigration history. Between China and U.S., and also related to China as a country's、um, history of the development and everything. So,、um, currently in the U.S., among those forty-four thousand Chinese restaurants listed on Yelp, you see sixty、uh, percent of them are ten dollar or below.、Um, that's probably the most common thing people see. Like if you see the Big Bang Theory or some you know friends on the TV shows, people would eat the takeout white box,、uh, eating you know General Zhao chicken, beef and broccoli. Those are the representation of the Chinese American food. It already become its own species. It's very delicious. When I first came to US, I was in Boston. I I actually eat a lot of them because that's the only thing available. What exciting is. Um, there's some other parts of the food right now that's being introduced: the new flavors, the new ingredients, and the new ways of eating, and it's being accepted in the U.S. market as well. How is food, quote unquote, a vessel of culture? What are you portraying in the vessel of Jun's Kitchen? So the way that we see food as the vessel or as the bridge. 
So first of all, we want we want to bring you know a delicious, healthy-ish day-to-day meal to everybody in America. I think that's the first goal, and、um, it's just happened. To be, we come from China, so the Chinese culinary arts and techniques are the parts that we know best. So that's where the perspectives are coming from. So, what do you want to promote? What we want to promote is to is the philosophy of eating more balanced meal and the plant based. And you say that plant based food is easily tied to Chinese cuisine. Why is that? I think if you look at the agriculture history of China, it's actually a way of survival in in the sense that people really have to find ways to cook and also make it delicious of every ingredients that people can find.、Um, plant based meal are definitely more efficient in terms of energy, so it's easier. For you know the regular person to find, also、um, people are have to eat every parts of the ingredients from like head to tail, so it's also a more sustainable way of eating.、Um, and then the balanced way is where if you look at the pyramid of nutrition, as you want to have your meats and vegetables and carbs and everything.、Um, so in the Chinese、um, table. Most of the time, you have multiple dishes that covers your protein and、um, vegetables and carbs. Do you really think that snacking on a jianbing or a bowl is going to bridge the divides in the way that you promote? I truly think the food is the best way to start a conversation, and、um, by starting to listen and talk. Is a great way to start to know a culture. For example, like I uh, heard uh, Elon Musk、um, visited China and he tried the jianbing. I think, I mean, by the way, jianbing is my my favorite food. Mine too. So I grew up in Beijing.、Um, jianbing is a very famous but also common breakfast meal,、um, and I go to、um, this lady's cart. Every morning,、um, I've been there so long that、um, she retired and her daughter start to take over the cart. So the food is really becomes a connection of you know the friendship and and it's like, almost like a family type of things as like a tradition. She really looked me kind of grow up, and she kind of know. Every family members of mine, and I know her stories. So going to buying the jianbing in the morning is like a routine to get your day. When I was in、uh, Yale University, I lived in a dorm、um, that each floor shares a kitchen. I'm not good at cooking, but、um, we will go to that kitchen, and you will find. Uh, cl- uh, students from all over the world coming together to cook their own food,、um, and I find people are very very relaxed. And the conversation is really interesting to be like, oh, this is the spice that you use, like, oh, this is the ingredients. Oh, I never tried that. Can I taste it? It's like, hey, I'm cooking this. Do you want to eat together? And I met lots of friends. 
starting from then. And I probably won't even have a real conversation if we haven't cooked together in that kitchen because you probably just say hi to each other and you don't really have an opportunity to start a deeper, meaningful conversation because everybody is busy. But in that shared kitchen, in in that shared environment, um, you're able to share something that you host dearly. And I think, again, food is more than just food and nutrition. For me, it represents my grandma's love. And I find that story really resonates with lots of other people. Um, there's my Italian friends were telling me how the meatball is important for them and how every mom has their own recipes and is so important and a Sunday ritual dinner is so meaningful to to get the whole family. So I think it's definitely the best, best way to get people together and um, start an interesting conversation. And that's a little bit why we also start the chef's table concept. You know, let me ask you that question. You have a chef's table coming up in November. Why don't you share more about the premise and the theme? You know, what is chef's table for June's the Kitchen? Yeah, Um, so chef's table is a kind of pop up in our fast casual space. Um, We hosted um, periodically, um, it is a sit down five to seven course experience really focusing on the creation of that dinner. Um, Our chef Lucas always collaborate either with another chef or some artist. So something we did was um, we collaborated with a Chicago painter, for example. And um, so our whole courses are a reinterpretation and presentation of the artist's paintings. And there's another time that we worked with a um, chef who is a um, vinegar expert. So the theme was called Sweet and Sour. This um, also echoes to the main flavor theme of Chinese American food. But each course, the vinegar is being used in different ways. Sometimes it's a high tones to balance the whole flavor. Sometimes it's used to bring up the umami flavors. And all the dishes um, are either very traditional Chinese ones or in a very fusion style. Um, we really focus on the personal stories about the creators um, and our collaborators. Um, So each time our chef and the collaborator will come out to meet all the attendees on that day um, and share what they think about the theme and why um, they're doing the courses this way. So our upcoming ones are a work with um, Professor Paul Freeman from University, um, reflecting some of the stories in his new book, um, American Cuisine. So it is going to be on three days in the second week of November. So Chef's Table for us is another reflection um, of how we see food as a bridge and a connection. Because in that table, we try to curate people from very different background coming together. And um, you have chefs and the collaborators to telling their individual creative stories. And that always um, provoke a conversation that's on the audience table. 
And we got lots of feedbacks that people are saying, this is so interesting. I met friends that I would not otherwise meet. Um, and then you listen to a lot of like philosophical or cultural related topics are just sparkling around that table. So we see um, it is really great opportunity to people to meet together around something that they both love. It's a testament to the fact that you all are trying to capture the cultural elements. You aren't just providing food. You're not just thinking about the bottom line of your startup. You're really thinking about how can we elevate the conversation around the elements of the dish. Yes, we see um, the Chinese culinary arts techniques and culture is a life thing. Um, is It kind of lives with every individual of ours. And it doesn't really need to be Chinese, Chinese per se. It's whoever are interested in knowing this culture and to bring this to a day-to-day modern life. For example, for our Junzi kitchen, we are really trying to connect the flavors from China to our day-to-day modern life because you're busy, um, you probably won't cook yourself, but you still want to have some, you know, balanced, healthier, tasty meal. And that's why you're coming to the Jinzi kitchen to, you know, to, to get the food. On the other side, you also have some curiosity to something different. So that's where you can go to a different um, restaurant, go to Italian restaurant, you go to French restaurants, you go to Jinzi chef's table to hear somebody else's story and see how they're looking at food or something else they're passionate about in this world. And collectively, we're bringing all these culture elements together and we're hopefully building a better world together through a better understanding. At the risk of being even hungrier than I am, um, for listeners, we are currently recording this at dinner time. But I want to know more about the concept behind After Hours. We're trying to provide um, food experience to our customers at their different times and their different needs. Um, So After Hours is a special module that we provide for campus um, locations that's only weekends and it's late. So we do that from like 10, 10.30 to 1 a.m., 1.30 a.m. It's more indulging. Have dumplings, fried chicken, fried rice. My favorites is definitely the General Chu's chicken. It's our own take for the General Zhao's chicken. Oh, it's very it. delicious. It's spicy. I love it very much. So I think food is such an important piece for ourselves and you want different things among different times so that's where we're hopefully to bring the chinese elements the street food elements to our um, campus location customers what campuses are they at and how often do you show up um so we have in new haven locations from thursday friday saturday 10 30 to 1 and at our columbia university locations Thursday and Friday from 10.30 to 1.30. Now, two more questions for you. What's your favorite dish on the menu? My favorite is definitely the tomato pork noodles because the tomato egg sauce is really tastes like my grandma's uh, cooking. And such a classic. I mean, anyone that has spent time in China would know that. So the other fast question is, 
You know, what's one piece of advice that someone has given to you in the past that you've actually found yourself giving to someone else more recently? Um, I actually have two. So as an entrepreneur, um, when we first started to Jianzi, um, we don't know how to evaluate that. Um, so one of the advisors was telling us, um, asking yourself two questions. Why you? Why now? So that's when you have an idea and you ask yourself why you're the only person or you're the best person or best team to do this. Another part is why now? Is why now, what resources, um, what advantages that empower you to do this now versus you know, 10 years later or 10 years earlier. Um, and another piece is what I got regarding to executing, um, which is think big, start small. So when you want to achieve something, you definitely want a big vision, but that's not enough. You really want to start um, small things one by one. You want to do it in a very, like you want to do it in a as perfect as possible way. So you want to think big and start small. For us, we really hope to change the conversation and the perception of Chinese food in America from one bean as a time, one noodle bowl as a time, one salad bowl as a time, um, and add one guest at the chef's table experience, for example, at a time. We want to focus on every individual's and every time's experience um, and make it good. Um, so hopefully that's helpful for our audience as well. I think so. You know, your vision is so clear and your thoughtfulness, every detail and how that ladders up to the vision really comes through. So thank you. Thank you so much. Liking what you hear? Hit subscribe and show us some love. We are getting more active on Twitter by providing some cool supporting content that elevates what you're already hearing here. Our Twitter handle is at ta for ta. And of course, we still regularly check the email at ta.for.ta.china at gmail.com. Ta for Ta, Women, Success, China is a proud member of the Seneca Network. Many thanks to Kaiser Kuo for co-producing, Jason McRonald for editing, and Jamie Louet for marketing. Until next time, I'm Juliana Batista, and this is Ta for Ta.